Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Justin Thomas and Brian Murphy. We uh, we got some teams headed to state soccer tournament, boys. We've um, it was a it was a busy weekend. Let's mm-hmm. we can even just start there. Like so, obviously, uh, regardless of where you were at in the state, apparently because it wasn't just here in Dallas, but down in Austin where I was at, um, just the weather was just absolute hell this weekend mm-hmm. so um i mean i know what, what you had a game that was actually moved from one site to another yeah. so it wasn't even just a delay they had to like straight up relocate your game well it was a re- because of the delays yeah. like i think the reasoning for moving it was just so they didn't for the regional tournament they didn't have to wait for the earlier game to yeah. finish to get there started it wasn't like the field at boyd was more playable than IS- mckinney isd but yeah i think just to speed things up they ended up shifting it over there so yeah they go from fancy mckinney isd stadium to I get whatever that stadium Boyd is. I don't even see the Bronco Field or is that where they play their actual soccer games? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They play their games at the high school at the stadium at the high school. It did have a press box though, so I wasn't Mm -hmm. getting rained on while I was out there. It's got a nice little press box, like a little three room press box. You get your own little area. In total, it's just funny when you go from McKinney ISD Stadium and then you drive fifteen minutes. The seventy million dollar palace (laughs) to. um, So how long in total would um, you know was your game? You're covering the Flower Mound boys, obviously. It was supposed. To start at noon because mm-hmm. the South Lake girls game was supposed to be at ten, so it was supposed to start at noon. Ended up starting at two thirty. How about you, Brian? What was so, action like uh, at Standridge for Frisco ISD? I had a double header Saturday. First going to Penance against Highland Park. They were supposed to start at ten. They didn't start until two ten ish. Yeah. And Frisco Wakeland and Mount Pleasant were supposed to play right after. Mm-hmm. And so I'm over here calling Coach Hold over Wakeland because I, you know, I got word at nine o'clock. Hey, and I, you know, obviously if you look out the window, you know, lightning is just thunders is crashing everywhere. And so I got a call uh, from people at Stanridge around nine. They were like, Hey, it's an indefinite delay, so don't even waste your time yeah. coming up here right now. So I was like, Sweet, we'll play the waiting game. Mm-hmm. And we're waiting, we're waiting. I'm calling Coach Holt. Coach Holt's like, yeah, we're still at Wakeland. Uh, you know, we're, we're not even going to Stanford. Like, I talked to other coaches, some other coaches that were I knew would be there. They were like, man, we might get like a 6 o'clock and then 8.30 game tonight. And I was like, well, I hope not because <laughs> there goes the whole day. This would yeah. be nuts. That's why it was nice for the Flower Mound because it was still two hour, two and a half hours late. But if they didn't mm-hmm. move locations, they wouldn't have played till like 4 no. or 5. Yeah. So then eventually Independence got going at like, 205-ish, 210-ish, and then there was no overtime there. I mean, it was close. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in the next segment there, uh, the heartbreak for Independence, but then Wakeland, they get going about 430, 445, mm-hmm. and good, clean game, no extra time, and that was over 
by about six. Yeah, so by comparison's sake, I kind of got off easy. I was, you know, down in Austin uh, covering, uh, you know, Allen, the Allen girls against uh, Rockwall Heath, and I mean, it was just your typical, you know, hour 40, 40, 45, hour 50 minute delay, and they got started around, you know, one, one o'clock, and everything went off without a hitch, and that was that, because even when I was driving back, I mean, just the weather, it sounds like it was just it's just yeah. terrible. <laughs> All day it was awful. Yeah. And then so when, by the time, so once Independence and Highland Park started at 2-ish, mm-hmm. you know, the weather kind of subsided. It was it was still really windy at some points of the game, mm-hmm. but the, there was no rain. The field was a little wet still, but once Wakeland kicked off later in the evening, especially in the second half. It came back. Oh, it came back. And, you know, with about 15 minutes left in the game, I, I leave the press box. And I go down to the field, and, and I'm there, and I'm just getting sideways wind or sideways rain hitting me in the face. And, you know, it's, it's like a cold. It was like 50 degrees. And it was yeah. thunderstorming yeah. at the same time. It was weird. I don't know how they were playing in it. And it was, you know, I know we were having the discussion earlier. You know, just just put, move these games to an indoor place, yeah. or do you know, or move them to the next day. You know, uh, of course, Sunday the next day it was what seventy degrees and sunny, not a cloud <laughs> in the sky. Yeah, yeah. Texas, not Texas wind. weather for you. But then you decide who goes to state when the wind gusts are twenty five miles an hour and sideways rain. So. The thing about soccer, man, is just there's no other sport where the elements can just impact the balance of a of, of the game quite like that. And yeah. you see it especially during the playoffs, be it w- wind all the way up to extreme conditions, yeah. like what a lot of our teams had to go through on Saturday. But nevertheless, yeah, it was far from a uh, far from an easy, seamless day. But we do know who's headed to state. Um, between the three of us, we've each got a school that we cover that is going to be bound for uh, for Georgetown later this week. The Frisco Wakeland boys, the Allen girls, and the Flower Mound boys will all they're all among the final four. And their respective brackets and um so let's yeah let's just kind of recap what we saw um over the weekend and just kind of uh, set the stage for later this week at the uil state tournament um we can start with uh let's see I'll, we'll start with alan alan girls one of the uh you know one of the newcomers to this mix whereas you got a school like wakeland which this is just old hat for them by this point you've got you know flyer mound and alan you know two teams that i guess when was the last time that flyer mound made it to state never for boys wow there you go so it's yeah never for boys it's been the first time in no, 21 years Fought with on Twitter about it, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah on uh, for the Allen girls, first time in 21 years, and this was one that was uh, you know, definitely some uh, some dramatics in this one. They scored with two, a little under two and a half minutes left. Um, Anna Resa does the uh, does the honors in a matchup that was uh, it felt like just over the general flow of play that Allen was you know at least the better team as far as generating opportunities on goal. Um, but it was just one of those matches where they just you know no matter how many times they framed one on, you know Heath was Heath's defense was right there. They got a, you know, a solid goalkeeper, Savannah Hall, tall, you know, rangy keeper that was getting to a lot of stuff. So they um, they kind of made it a point, you know, it's just tactically like, okay, if you're going to put a ball on frame, go low. You know, just make if you're a tall keeper, obviously it's a little bit tougher if you're having to, uh, you know, go vertically for a ball versus horizontally. So um, yeah, they finally just got a good look in the box. I believe it was Ashley Williams who had the setup, and Anna Resa puts one low and uh, rolls to the back post past the outstretched arms of uh, Savannah Hall, and uh, yeah, obviously pandemonium ensued. And it was also a uh, kind of a, a much needed goal for Allen, just because not only does it win the game, but there's also the uh, you know in addition to you know being under the uh, the backdrop of a weather delay and whatnot. Saturday was also Allen's prom. 
So you have, uh, so you've got that to factor in, and you know that was obviously a little bit tough when you know head coach Kelly Thompson's having to break into the girls that you were going to be on a delay. So then you're starting to kind of get concerned with later on that night. You know, none of the girls want to you know be late or miss prom or anything like that. So uh, yes, to avoid overtime and a shootout, which would have tacked you know yeah. at least another 30, 45 minutes onto the match for them. Um, those seniors owe Anna Race a big time <laughs> with the sophomore coming through in the clutch for Allen. And uh, yeah, now the Lady Eagles are bound for uh, bound for the state tournament. They were. Um, I mean, they were on this stage last year at the same time, too, you know, and there was a matchup that did go into overtime, and it was Marcus, you know, that got them 3-1, to one. so to avoid having to, uh, to relive, you know, those, uh, you know, those tough times, and now they're, um, yeah, bound for state for the first time since 1998. They get, a, uh, they get an undefeated Katie Tompkins team, <laughs> so that, I mean, that tells you all you need to know about just the caliber of programs. You have Katie Tompkins and Allen in one semifinal. That one is at noon on Friday out at, uh, what is it, is it Berkelbach Field? in Georgetown. The other girls' 6A semifinal is uh, South Lake Carroll, who you saw earlier this postseason, Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're rolling right along. They look like, you know, one of the teams to beat. Did you see what they did on Saturday? I did not. They put up a nice six goals in the first half. That makes life a little <laughs> bit easier. They're never going to lose again. <laughs> Probably a nice, nice sigh of relief after that, <laughs> with a half like that. They, um, yeah, South Lake takes on Lake Travis in the other girls' semifinal, and yeah, should be should be a fun one. Feels like you got four pretty uh, like a, a really like this is a good final four. You didn't have any. There's no real Cinderella candidates or anything like that. It felt like you know Allen was on paper the best team in Region Two. They went on. I mean, they I mean the bat, the stats back it up. They outscored their five playoff opponents in the region 17 to 1 and that one came in the first round against Naaman 4 so that is four mm-hmm. straight clean sheets as the uh, wow. as the caliber of competition theoretically should ramp up with yeah. each round um, yeah Allen just laying waste to that uh, to that region um, another great performance by Allen's defense you know uh, Heath was able to put one on frame they had a nice cross into a header five minutes in that was um, you know easily snuffed out by goalkeeper Jennifer Peters and then from that point on I don't believe Heath put another shot on goal, and that's just that's par for the course. That's what Allen's defense has done all postseason, and um, yeah, I mean, any goal for them is 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 enough of a cushion. It feels like these days with them um, with just as consistent as they're playing on defense. But it'll certainly uh, certainly get tested against uh, against an undefeated Katie Tompkins team to have made it this far in the season and not even have a draw on your record. I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty that's pretty quality stuff. And the Houston area is certainly no slouch when it comes to soccer. So, yeah, Allen's uh, Allen girls headed back to state first time in 21 years. Flamont boys first time though, man. And that's yep. to uh, you know to build off of the the momentum that they'd showed earlier in the season and to really kind of realize that uh, that goal now of getting to yeah. state um just kind of talk a bit about your experience covering them throughout the uh, the regional tournament and how are you feeling about the jaguars now well it was pretty crazy on saturday because we mentioned you know the delays and everything mm-hmm. and you know maybe it might take a little time to settle in and get you know adjusted to the weather it was still raining and stuff but no flower mound comes out against grand prairie and they score twice in the seventh minute so they didn't waste any time yeah. getting a lead, and it just settles things down so much yeah. for the guys. You got to feel like with a game of that caliber to already just strike like that. Yeah. So Parker George gets the first one, and then Hector Torres comes mm-hmm. back a few seconds later and gets the second. So they get a nice 2-0 lead in the seventh minute, and pretty much just carry that. Um, Grand Prairie created some chances in the second half, but um, Landon Leach was up to the task. He made multiple saves, but all of his saves were—I'm not saying they weren't challenging saves, but they were—there were saves where he didn't really have to. Uh, move a whole lot. You know, mm-hmm. they were clear looks, good shots, but they seemed to all come right at him, and he handled them all pretty easily. Um, so they get the 2-0 win. I kind of wanted to focus more on the semifinal game Friday, because that was kind of more of the story, if mm-hmm. you ask me. Um, okay. 
playing Arlington Bowie, and you know this is a flower mound team that in the second round scored with seven seconds left to beat Duncanville. So they give up a goal about 20 minutes into Bowie, and they're trailing the entire game. And then here they come with their late magic again. The year of Flower Mound continues. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Brock Clayton gets a, uh, a corner. Uh, I can't remember if it was a cross or a corner, but something in the box. And he kind of just flicks the header on, and the buoy goalie has a tr- tough time coming up with it. Kind of bobbles a little, and it kind of has a spin on it and trickles in. So they get the tying goal with 145 left in regulation to force the overtime. Mm-hmm. Then we get to overtime, and about two minutes in, um, Bowie gets or Flowermount gets called for a foul in the box, so Bowie gets a PK and they score and go up 2-1, so you're like, oh, man, all that, that big late goal, and now they're already down, but they come back again f- less than five minutes in the second overtime period. This time Clayton is sending in the corner. It's across, and Parker George kind of half always it, scores it, so they're tied, so they end up going to shootouts. In the shootouts, I've never seen this in the shootouts before. Mm-hmm. No saves in the first eight rounds. <laughs> Six, eight rounds, 16 goals. So we get to the ninth shooter, and it's um, Aditya Patil for Flyer Mound. So he puts them up 9-8, to eight, and then Leach gets the save. So they win the shootout 9-8. to eight. And I guess another little cool note is in the nine goals, Flyer Mound had uh, four players score goals that didn't even play in regulation or overtime. Wow. They just came out for the shootout. They you know, told Coach Doyle, like, hey, I'm ready to go if you need a shooter. He's like, go for it. So they have four guys that scored goals that didn't even play in the match. So pretty cool little trick there and they get the big 9-8 win in overtime to get to that finals mm-hmm. and now they're going to state for the first time yeah let's see flyer mounds matchup they draw let's see i've got it right up here they're at five o'clock on friday um they play a leaf elsick 24-1-1 and versus flyer mounds 19-3-1 most famous alum from a leaf elsick do you know i do not Richard lewis okay there hmm. you go uh, nba champion Richard shooter lewis. Richard lewis I'm guessing that's their most famous. Maybe they have somebody else I don't know of. But um, just another cool little note that we were kind of talking when we started our soccer playoff previews about you know just how well the teams from my area have traditionally do. So this is the teams from District Six Six A. This is the ninth team from Six Six A that's made state over the past uh, five uh, four years. Wow. Or five years, yeah, five years. That's yeah, when you said that, uh, when you said that, yeah, it's Flyermount's first time. I would have guessed that they'd at yeah. least, because I just think of that entire area being so consistently yeah. solid that everybody in that in that school district has had at least one appearance yeah. in their in their history. But I guess yeah, Flyermount hasn't been around as long as as the others. So in Capel and Irving, this is the the ninth one to make it over the past five years. So yeah. Pretty good soccer district there. Yeah, so we've got a couple teams that uh, yeah, first-timer and then Allen first-time in over two decades. I mean, what else can you say about the Wakeland boys now? This is just like it's a birthright almost that they're in, this, in the state tournament, it feels like. You can have your Cinderella stories and your surprise yeah. seasons. Man, I, I've never seen a team, you know, punch its ticket to state and look like they just won another district game. <laughs> like, after the game, I, I posted a picture. I, of course they're excited. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying they're, they're not happy. They're just dead inside. <laughs> they're just like, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll win another championship. And, and uh, it's no big deal. But I, I even tweeted out a picture when they're, you know, celebrating after the game, storming the field, when it was all said and done. And I tweeted out, I was like, just another trip to state? No big deal for, for, for Wakeland. It's their third trip to state. Uh, third consecutive trip to state, I should say. Fourth uh, consecutive trip overall, third with head coach Andy Holt. What a resume mm-hmm. for Coach Holt. Comes from Sulphur Springs, first year wins the state title. No one expected them to win that year because the year before they lost painfully in uh, shootouts. 
Uh, that was this was before my time, but I know all about it. You know, covering this Wakeland team uh, throughout my my tenure here, and you know they lose painfully in in 2016. They come back. You know, lot, they lose a lot of guys. They win in, in 17, first year with Coach Holt, and then last year the heartbreak of having to go through the gauntlet of the postseason after finishing fourth in the district. They're facing number one seeds, number one, number two seeds, mm-hmm. literally the entire way. Then you get to the regional tournament. Everyone's a number one seed in the regional tournament. And they were just winning nail-biter after nail-biter after nail-biter uh, against, like, Frisco Centennial and Prosper. This year, it's been a different story. You know, this year, it's like, all right, this right, I'm hearing rumors this may be the best Frisco team out of the Wakeland team out of you know all three of Coach Holt's years. Mm-hmm. You know the the bulk of this group is juniors. You know you have you know we all know about Mark Barbonis. We know about Todd Fuller. William Hitchcock scored a, the game's only goal uh, against Mount Pleasant on Saturday, and in a game where it was a rematch, by the way, a fi- regional finals rematch against Mount Pleasant last year. Ironically, it was a one nothing game for for Wakeland. That one. Uh, was won in extra time, so no late game dramatics there. But Wakeland did score in like the 69th minute in that game, so it was nearing overtime. And I talked to Coach Holt after the game. He said, "Man, I'm just glad we didn't have to go to overtime." You know, with the wind and the, the terrible conditions, oh, yeah. it was getting worse, worse and worse in the second half. And hey, man, who else but Todd Fuller on a free kick? It was it was a it was a set piece. That was the only way anyone was going to score in this game. The conditions were just too nasty, um, and so set piece boots it in from 30 yards out on the side line boots it in William Hitchcock comes in there heads it in coach Holt told me that's the fourth time they've done that and succeeded this season on a Todd Fuller to William Hitchcock header to score on a free kick uh, this year and they're they're headed back to the state tournament they're 22 and 5 with five ties they play Houston Sharpston Sharpstown uh, they're 21 2 and 2 everyone's going to be good at this time of year but you know, Wakeland really turned it on in the in the in the state tournament last year, and had some big blots, including the championship game against the Lido, and then they beat, uh, I believe it was Far Valley View. Far Valley View is in the the state tournament once again. They play El Paso Bel Air, the team that just beat Lake Dallas, which we'll talk about a little bit more in our next segment. But I believe Far Valley View was in there last year, and they were the number one ranked team coming in. You know, from deep South Texas, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, Wakeland took care of business against them. So, any anything less than a state championship for Wakeland is, I wouldn't, I guess, you know, not a successful year for Wakeland uh, in my eyes. So it's, it's the standard for sure. It, yeah, it and has. looking over the uh, the top the top soccer dot com uh, state rankings, you've got, I guess. Three of the final four in 5A um, are listed in the top ten. You have the aforementioned Far Valley View. They rank number five. Wakeland at number eight. And then El Paso Bel Air, who plays Far Valley View mm-hmm. in the other semifinal yeah, and at so number nine. They played in the state semifinal against Valley View last year. They beat them a 3-1. Mm-hmm. And Valley View was coming into that game with just 10-0, 8-0, 7-0 blowouts, even all throughout the postseason. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were like, oh, no, Valley View, this is the best 5A team in the state. This is the best 5A team in the tournament. And then Wakeland just controlled that game. I believe they were up 3-0. Valley View scored late to make it 3-1. But and Wakeland, they know how to get it done mm-hmm. it come postseason. It, it's it's crazy because if you look at their roster from two years ago, you know their main players. And I was just kind of looking at it. You know, you have guys like Matt Thomas and Cody Setatol and and Matt Ribble. Those are the three captains of that team, all seniors. They're all long gone. You guys like you know Reed Stewart, Christian uh, Cameron Villan Villani. You know, all guys that have just long gone. Simon Salazar. You have a brand new bulk of guys. Guys that are freshmen on this team, and you know, seeing that championship pedigree, and you know, now they're coming into their own. Even after the game, uh, the junior. 
juniors wanted to take a big picture with the trophy. So it was, they didn't do a team picture first. They did a juniors picture first. And I was like, man, this is a tight-knit group. And I've talked mm-hmm. to Coach Holt about that, led by guys like Mark Brobona, state tournament MVP from last year, Todd Fuller, and William Hitchcock, on and on and on and on. And this team, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. This is this is a dynasty. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's safe to say this is a dynasty right now, Wakeland boys soccer. A, uh, a third consecutive state championship would make that very hard to disagree with, which they will have a chance to accomplish later on this week at Georgetown. Had some other schools that were in action um, over the weekend in regional tournaments. Felt just a bit shy, though, getting to that Final Four. And, um, yeah, we will do a quick line change and discuss some of those other uh, regional finalists um, after a word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, and welcome back. We've done a bit of a line change. I'm still here. I've moved into the the Matt Welch hot seat uh, here in the middle, but Devin Hassan, and Taylor Raglan, they're here uh, to talk about some teams that weren't so fortunate uh, to be advancing this weekend from the regional tournament into Georgetown, into the state tournament this weekend. And man, it was one of the teams uh, that we'll, we'll talk about didn't quite make it to the regional final like Lake Dallas Boys and Frisco Independence Girls. And it's I have also have a soft spot for them. Uh, they're my alma mater. Uh, soccer powerhouse is what I want to call them over at Saxe. And they got blown out, Devin. What the heck happened <laughs> to the Mustangs? Well, I, w- I wouldn't say they got blown out. Uh, they did lose 3 nothing to Aldine. Um, Aldine was kind of one of those Cinderella stories uh, that mm. you see in the soccer playoffs. They're four seed um, coming out of that Houston district and uh, just caught fire at the right time. And, um, yeah, Saxe ran up against them. Uh, Aldine jumped out to a one nothing lead in the first half. Uh, you know, Saxe's played close games every round of the playoffs, so this was nothing new to them. Um you know, it, I was kind of watching online. I wasn't able to get down to Austin um, uh, for that regional semifinal game, but uh, they did have a live stream going on that I was able to catch part of. Uh, pretty evenly played game. Like, I think with every game around, the, the state wind and weather kind of played a factor in it. Sure did. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they had a couple good chances uh, late in the first half, another one early in the second half, but then all these jumped up. Two nothing about midway through the second half, and then you start to press. You've got to you know kind of change your strategy, especially a defensive-minded team like Saxe. Um, you know you, you got to press forward, and when you get pressed forward, sometimes mm-hmm. you get burned. So all the intact on a goal with about a minute left uh, to go to make the final three three zero margin. But you know, outstanding season for Saxe. Uh, this was a team that had to replace a lot of parts from last year. Uh, kind of came together uh, at the right time uh, to make this run. Uh, again, two shootout victories in the area round and, and the regional qu- uh, quarterfinals over McKinney. Uh, you know, they're, they, as is the case every year, you're going to lose some valuable seniors. Uh, obviously, Miguel Gonzalez, their outstanding goalkeeper, uh, Luke Braswell, Jake Devault, guys that came through with huge, huge goals in the playoffs. Uh, those are seniors that they're going to you know, have to replace, but uh, they, they've got a solid core. Uh, Miguel Abado, um, Isaac Holkowitz, just a freshman who scored the game-winning goal uh, in the shootout against McKinney. So they got some young pieces, and again, this is a sexy team um, you're very well-versed with, but um, you know, it... it, it uh, had it kind of a high point 10 years ago and then it kind of slumped but they've kind of gotten back to being a perennial playoff team this is their second trip to the regional tournament in the last three years and you know there's no reason to think that that's not the standard for this program going forward 
that high point ten years ago. That's when I was there with that, <laughs> when they were ranked number four in the state with the you know TJ Nelson and nationally ranked. You know he's playing with the sidekicks right now. Yes, TJ yes, Nelson, yes. yeah, yeah, he's out for the season though with the knee injury, which is uh, sad to see. <laughs> uh, the weather was a factor. We talked about it just a while ago with Matt and Justin. Uh, Matt was down in Round Rock. It maybe wasn't as bad there. Who knows? But somewhere where you went, Taylor, it was <laughs> probably Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really bad. I was out in Wichita Falls uh, for the 5A Region One tournament. Um, Lake Dallas. Man, you want to talk about not really a perennial powerhouse or a perennial postseason team. Last year, first time they ever win a playoff game, and this year they go all the way to the regional final. Um, man, it was a, a postseason especially just defined by resilience and, and comeback victories. You go all the way back to by district. They score in the last 15 seconds of regulation and overtime. Uh, to win then. Uh, you know, you look at the game against Arlington Heights to get to the regional tournament. They come back and win that game. Wichita Falls at Wichita Falls in the regional semifinal. Um, they come back to uh, win that game. You know, they're down one nothing at the half. Uh, score to tie it at 1-1. Wichita Falls scores again. You know, it's 2-1 and then all of a sudden Lake Dallas, you know, explodes for some more uh, late game magic, I guess. But it finally ran out uh, Saturday against El Paso Bel Air, which it was one of those rare regions where you know, when I was really looking right at the beginning of the playoffs at 5A Region 1, I was kind of like, Lake Dallas and Bel Air seem like they're on a collision course. I mean, Bel Air, I think, was at the time 20-1 and or something silly. You know, Lake Dallas had just gone 10-0-2 in district, um, you know, was beating everybody. I was like, this is a very realistic regional final, mm-hmm. and, you know, lo and behold, it, it ended up happening. But that weather, like you mentioned, was was something else in, in Wichita Falls. The game was supposed to start at 10, started at 2, and it was it was... They didn't even wait for the weather to clear. They just eventually decided, I guess we're going to play in it. Because it was, you know, wind steadily, 35 miles an hour probably, gusting to 44, 45. The wind (coughs) filled, 35. And it was blowing straight, you know, north to south, which is the way the stadium runs there, Memorial Stadium, which shall fall. So one team literally could not advance the ball whichever team was going into the win and the other team, you know, it 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 was a tale of whichever team had the win spent the entire half in the attacking third just trying to score it was it was unbelievable so um you know lake dallas was was down uh one nothing uh when they had the win in the second half and then more late game magic brock pope with i believe four minutes and 44 seconds left i remember that because it was you know triple fours but uh brock pope scores on a some chaos off a throw in going with the win i mean the throw in it went in the air probably 20 yards because you know 25 yards at least and chaos they poke it in they tie it they go to overtime but and overtime Bellard just proves to be too much. They score in the first minute of the first overtime, score again uh, in the first overtime, and then one more going into the wind in the second overtime. And mm-hmm. at that point, it was it was finally lights out for Lake Dallas. But, man, this is a team that, honestly, you know, I was talking to Matt earlier, this is a team that could be better next year because they lose Carlos Samora and Jaden Hendricks, two seniors. That's it. You know, one in the back and one uh, in the front. And, obviously, you know, those are two huge losses. But the list of names that they bring back, District MVP Brock Pope, uh, sophomore Anthony Patty, who literally had the game winner in all four uh, postseason games until the loss. <laughs> like, he had the game-winning goal. One was a 3 nothing victory, but he still had the first one. So he had the game-winning goal in literally every game. 
Um, you bring back Caleb Irving. He was just a junior this year, and Nettie got hurt uh, in the playoffs, unfortunately, and, and didn't play at all in the regional tournament. Uh, Julian Fernandez, Orlando Castro, the list goes on and on and on of guys that Lake Dallas is going to bring back, and I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them right back in the regional tournament next year. You know, maybe taking another step because, you know, as I mentioned, one playoff win in program history coming to this year. Now you're a regional finalist, and, and you bring basically everybody back. So sky's the limit for the Falcons next year, you know, I would think. Man, I don't think I've seen one soccer game this year where the weather didn't play a factor. Nope. The wind, at least the wind at some point. Every soccer game, you know, it's some gusty winds, and one team has that advantage in the first half. The next team has the advantage in the second half, and it's a tale of two halves for the not, most part. Not always, because I was at a Saxe and Highland Park girls soccer mm-hmm. playoff game a few years ago, and Highland Park had the wind at their back in the first half. Halftime, there's lightning delay. <laughs> Weather swirls. Mm. It does a complete 180. Wow. And all of a sudden, Highland Park has the wind at their back in the second half as well. So it's you crazy know, the way that Highland Park always gets their way. And that leads me <laughs> exactly. into the next segment here. Highland Park, they've just been a thorn in Frisco ISD's side this postseason. They take down three Frisco teams in their their uh, playoff run headed to state for like the 50 billionth time. I, I can't... I had all the stats in front of me during the game when they were playing Frisco Independence on Saturday, and it was just re- absurd. Uh, so they beat Centennial. They beat them 6-3 to three in the second round. They beat Wakeland in the third round 3 to, or 2-1, to last-minute goal, literally in the last minute. That game could have gone either way. And then, once again, uh, another late-game heroic play uh, by Presley Eccles. UT nice. commit. I know you'll you'll be excited about that. You know, hook them horns. Texas alum there. You know, she might be the best player I, that I've seen this year right up there with, you know, Landry Corbett of Independence and Gracie Bryan uh, at Wakeland. She is phenomenal. She scored the game winner against Wakeland. She scored the game winner uh, against Independence. It was heartbreaking for Independence. They, they scored against the wind. It, well, they were supposed to have the win in the second half, and then the weather kind of changed, kind of what you just brought up between Saxe and Highland Park. It was, you know, just a funky game, obviously. And just like your game, supposed to start at 10, mm-hmm. didn't start until about 2, 2.10-ish. <laughs> and they didn't let, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, okay, everything cleared up. Maybe the lightning and the thunderstorms, per se, cleared up. Everything was still wet. Everything was still soggy. Everything was still gusty and kind of rain off and on, going sideways. And, you know, Independence gave them a game. This is, this is a top-notch squad. And like what you um, alluded to with Lake Dallas, they bring back a ton of players next year. Landry Corbett, she scored 35 goals this year, had 21 assists. She's coming back. She's a junior. She also does that cool flip throw where the somersault, whatever you want to call it. Hmm. Uh, you know, they have other players, uh, Ashley Merrill, Jocelyn Kispert. Actually, Jocelyn Kispert's a senior, sorry. Uh, Blythe Obar, and then uh, Mackenzie Neely, a defender, sophomore defender, and then the freshman goalkeeper, uh, Kendall Sproat. She's coming back next year as well. No reason that they shouldn't be the, the contenders again uh, to for another district title. And... Uh, Yeah, that that experience, though. I mean, for for a younger team to get to that. For sure. And, And, you know, Highland Park, the the fact that they were able to play with them, because I've seen people that get intimidated, teams that get intimidated just because they know what Highland Park is and they know what kind of tradition that that girls' program has over there. But it sounds like a dependence didn't back down at all. Do you know what Highland Park did in the regional semifinal on Friday? They beat North 40 8-0. 8-0, yeah. In the regional semifinal, four rounds deep, and you're you're winning eight to zero. The other games before that, like I said, they beat Centennial, Frisco Centennial, the third best team in a very good Frisco district. They were winning six to one against them before Centennial tacked on some some late goals that didn't really matter. They beat Kimball twelve nothing, yeah. first round of the playoffs. 
It, it's just, it, <laughs> 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 but yeah, man, it, it, Highland Park, they are a machine. And the fact that Wakeland and Independence were literally tied 1-1 going into the last five minutes of both games could have gone either way. Says a lot about, you know, Wakeland and Independence and that Frisco, Frisco District uh, as a whole. And I don't expect Independence to be going anywhere anytime soon. They could be making another run just like uh, Lake Dallas next year. And hopefully Saxe can be back making another run uh, Making another run next year, making our alma mater proud. We so, will see. <laughs> but good luck to uh, Flower Mound boys, Allen girls, and the uh, Frisco Wakeland boys making their third straight trip to state. Uh, our three market teams headed to Georgetown next weekend, so good luck to them. That's just going to about do it for this soccer edition. We'll be talking softball later in the week as the playoffs get going next week in there. Uh, there's a ton left to be played for uh, on the diamond in the softball landscape there. But for Devin Hassan and Taylor Ragland, I'm Brian Murphy. We'll uh, talk to you later next week. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.